What the fuck is up, world? Biali, Tlaltik Pak. We back in this bitch. Another podcast for that ass. Another grito. Sea dicho. Coming about two motherfucking months since the last episode. As the last time I qualified when I took this long break, I should do so again and state that if you're still listening to this bitch, just know that I fucks with you, dog. What's good? I see you, okay? And I appreciate the fuck out of you for doing so. It's been an interesting two months on your boy's behalf, and I don't need to qualify it any more than that because you already know the deal. If you've been listening to this bitch, you know what's up, okay? Ain't shit changed but the swishing, right? Um, yeah, dog, it's just, uh, on top of just the everyday life shit, though, I should also state, I should also state that one of the reasons why it took me a while to get back on this bitch is because, dog, this is my hundredth episode, right? Cue the fucking reggaeton, uh, siren sound, 100 episodes, dog, to me, that's a little bit of an accomplishment, you know what I mean? Uh, I still... You know, I, I don't even know what the fuck. I'm just doing my thing, dog. I'm just podcasting this bitch. You know what I mean? When I started, I didn't really have an idea of what it was I was doing. I still really don't. You know what I mean? All I know is that I had a uh, desire within me to speak to the world, I guess you could say. And I had the support, the love and support of, of course, family, friends, specifically jujitsu homies that encouraged me to do so. Right. And uh, to get to doing a hundred episodes was kind of for me personally a big deal dog because you know this isn't some consistent shit this is not something that i do fucking regularly enough for me to have thought that i'd ever made it to a hundred episodes you know what i mean it's just a passion project essentially that i fucking have managed to stick with for the last fuck dog how long four years already i've been doing this shit for four years you know what i mean so uh, a little pat on my back you know what i mean like oh shit dog a hundred episodes but also shout out to you if you're still listening to this bitch a hundred episodes in you know what i mean Obviously, the statistics show that it's only grown a little bit. So, uh, you know, thank you for helping me, you know, obviously get to this point, because if I was just fucking speaking out into the abyss, obviously I would have just I wouldn't have stopped. You know what I mean? But it definitely does help that, you know, knowing that there's a listening ear, a listening mind on the other end of this transmission. Right. That I'm not just calling out to the empty void need uh, fruitlessly. So, yeah, uh, part of the uh, psychological weight, I guess, is a good way of calling it inherent with the 100th episode is that I really wanted this personally to be an episode of I don't want to say relevance because that means that implies that the other episodes are irrelevant and I don't think that's the case at all but I wanted it I wanted to be sure that it was an episode that fully encompassed exactly what it is why it is that I'm doing what I'm doing you know what I mean uh whether it be on this podcast or elsewhere so you know it took me a while to flesh that out. And that's kind of a, that's part of the reason why, you know, I took the two week, the two months long break. And it's because I honestly had kind of drifted away a little bit from that initial message. Right. And uh, not 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 in a bad way. I just feel as though, you know, I started deviating naturally off ideas that I personally had already felt I had solidified, but that upon retrospection, I realized I really hadn't done a well enough, a good enough job of fully, you know, grounding, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, I had a bunch of different ideas for what my hundredth episode could be. But then ultimately I sat down and I started to revisit some of the original writings that I did for this hood philosophy shit. And I realized 
this is the 100th episode right here, dog. This is what it is that I need to be talking about, right? So for this episode, it's it's hood philosophy, dog. I'm going to talk about hood. What, what the fuck is hood philosophy, bro? Because I've always talked about hood philosophy this, hood philosophy that, but I've never really talked about hood philosophy. Like, what is hood philosophy? Why the word hood in the hood philosophy? You know what I mean? I never talked about that kind of shit. Uh, I never talked about the roles that they schools, shout out to Dead Press. Today is Juneteenth. I'm recording this on Juneteenth, right? So you see I got my boy uh, Alvin here, his, his his company, his shirt, rocking the shirt. Also got the fucking fitted for uh, the Veracruz Negro League baseball team, right? Um, but in this particular instance, it was uh, the Dead Press song, Day Schools, right? Uh, and I've talked about it before at length on this podcast. And uh, But I've never really dealt, I've never really delved deeply I guess you could say as to how they schools helps to formulate the hood philosophy element, right? So for this particular episode, I wanted to get back to those roots and, you know, explain it to hopefully and more appropriately, because as I was revisiting these old writings, you know, dog, I'm going to write a book. Like I've been telling motherfuckers I'm going to write a book for like five years now. You know what I mean? Probably longer, actually a lot longer. It's pretty funny because as I was going back and, you know, revisiting these writings, some of them were from 2017, dog. So six years, bro. I've been telling motherfuckers I'm going to write a book longer than six years because that's when I actually started to sit down and write it. You know what I mean? But it was just weird going back and reopening these word docs that haven't been opened in fucking six years, dog. So much has happened in six years. And, uh, you know, uh, part of me, had, it had always festered in the back of my mind, this idea that I had sat down and started to write a book. And then I just let it fucking die. You know, I saw this meme one time and said, do not project your fantasies onto this idea and then let it die. You have to fucking nourish that shit, essentially. You know what I mean? Don't just fucking project your fantasies onto this ideal and then just let them fucking fade away. Like, you have to put in the work necessary to make those, you know, fantasies, those dreams into a reality. And that meme, that idea always fucking haunted me, bro. Because it's like, oh, you sat down and do this shit. You've told people you're going to do this shit. But you haven't fucking written a single word in in some parts for over six years. You know what I mean? And uh, I finally sat down to do so, dog, recently. Literally recently, like a week ago, okay? And part of that, part of that, honest to God truth, is because I got my fucking... I didn't get it taken away. So let me qualify this for even further. If you haven't already, follow your boy, OG underscore Ice Nice 13 on the gram something similar on the other socials as well. I don't check them as much at all even, but I'm there, okay, just in case. But definitely on Instagram. But I've actually stopped using that OG underscore for the time being, not permanently, because I got another fucking shadow band dog. And uh, I just decided like, ah, fuck this. I'm not going to be sitting here fruitlessly posting into the abyss knowing that it's not going to fucking reach uh, as much of an audience had it would it would have been able to have had I not got this bitch-ass fucking offense, bro. You know what I mean? So I decided to take a break from that account. I was like, all right, fuck it. They told me, they gave me a 90-day ban, a uh, 90-day shadow ban. They said up to 90 days, so I don't know. It could be over. Maybe it's going to be like the full 90 days. I don't know, okay? But I decided to step away from that account in the time being. I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to post fruitlessly. I'm not going to give these motherfuckers ad revenue just being on here. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to stop fucking with that with that account for a while. And uh, it was actually really easy at first, bro. And in fact, after about the first two weeks, I realized just how much that account has come to overtake my life. <laughs> like in, in complete fucking honest truth. You know, um, 
how much energy I was putting into maintaining that account and how far away that account had deviated from the initial purposes as to why I started the account. So basically what happened is, you know, I intended that account to be fully hood philosophy type shit. But as I've mentioned before, you cannot separate the philosophy from the philosopher. And how that it relates to this particular instance is that with this account, naturally, I started imposing my own personality into the account and the algorithm started feeding it back to me. So I got caught up in this very vicious feedback loop where I just started sharing shit that I was interested in. You know what I mean? And basically, I got sucked into the social media fucking hypnosis through that account. And uh, at first, I was disappointed that I got another fucking shadow ban on that account because I was like, ah, fuck, now I'm not going to be able to reach the target audience. And in my mind, I was like, I'm not going to be able to spread my podcast and all this hood philosophy shit. But in retrospect, it's been about a month now. And I've, you know, I've logged in like once or twice since. But I haven't engaged in any way with the account. And I came to realize, like, this may very well have been a blessing in disguise. Because I was, you know, like I said, deviating so far away from what it is and why it is I started that account in the first place. You know what I mean? And in realizing that, I also realized how much fucking time I was wasting on that bitch dog. Like, hours. You know what I mean? And I would always say to myself, like, oh, I don't fucking have enough time to write. I don't have enough time to do this, do that. That would is necessary to actually fucking write a book because surprise, surprise, they don't just appear out of nowhere. You actually have to put in the work necessary to manifest those bitches. You know what I mean? And uh, I just would always say to myself, like, oh, I don't have time. Like, I haven't been able to work on it because I don't have time. But that's bullshit, dog. I had all the time in the world. And it was all being dedicated to that stupid ass fucking Instagram account. You know what I mean? I don't say it's stupid ass because I don't appreciate it, but because me personally, I allowed the weakness in myself, you know, the, the the addiction in myself to be exploited by the fucking social media hypnosis. You know what I mean? So it was realistically me. I'm the bitch ass motherfucker. You know what I mean? For allowing the social media account to overtake my life. And I finally got a chance to, you know, when I put it down completely after a couple of weeks, I realized I was like, fuck, I have a lot of free time on my hands, bro. I have a lot of free time on my hands. So... Do something with it, bitch. You know what I mean? And that's when I decided to get back to writing this hood philosophy shit, to writing my books. You know what? It's actually books, multiple, right? But I'll, that's in due time. Anyways, that's one reason why I'm thankful. But the second reason why, dog, is because honestly, as I was sitting down to write this shit, this particular episode, I guess, but also because real shit, I've been working on this like a week straight for like eight hours a day. I've been just been working on my writing. You know what I mean? And uh, one of the things that really resonated with me is the realization of how thankful I am that it's taken me six months to get back to the writing process. And that's because, oh, six years rather. And that's because in those six years, I personally have grown, I think, significantly. I go back and I read some of what I wrote, you know, six years ago. And it was just, it was not bad. I don't get me twisted, but it's not it's not what I want it to be. You know what I mean? Six years ago, I was still enrolled in my fucking doctoral program, for instance. So a lot of it has to do with like social justice and identity politics. Now, I'm not saying that social justice per se and identity politics are necessarily a bad thing. I'm saying they're fucking irrelevant when it comes to what I'm trying to talk about because it's not in our ancestral legacy to be victims. Okay, so in that respect, both social justice and identity politics, which are predicated on victimhood, 
are irrelevant to what I'm trying to say, right? Uh, six years ago was also before my brother died, right? So I really, you know, it's weird, man. We think we have life kind of figured out and then you get the rug pulled out from underneath you. You get rattled to the fucking core, like in a real way, a real tangible way that forces you to either, you know, grow or fade away. And in that, in, in that choice, you know, you have options, obviously. And one of the options with the growth is you can, well, it, it, you can either fade away, dog, and just let the whole, you know, tragedy consume you. And that's it. Like, you're done for, dog. Which, you know, obviously, it still happens to me, hence the two months break, right? Where the tragedy is so severe that it just completely overtakes your life and you realistically can't do anything. Like, even if I wanted to, I, I wasn't able to podcast. I just, I didn't give a fuck, dog. The last two months, okay? And literally nothing had mattered to me for the last two months. Because of just dealing with the fallout of my brother's death, right? But uh, at the same time, I'm reminded that I'm not a fucking a victim. It's not in my legacy. It's not in my... I wasn't raised to be a victim. You know what I mean? So as difficult as it is to overcome this fucking tragedy that's befallen my family, I have no choice but to overcome it. You know what I mean? And in that growth, you have... there's It's, it's growth that is only made possible through suffering, Right? which is a key concept that I'm going to be talking about here today. I'll introduce it quickly, but that's the root of Nahuatl philosophy, right? The root of Nahuatl philosophy, well, a root, a foundation of Nahuatl philosophy, which in turn implicates that it's a foundation of hood philosophy, right? But the foundation is that, you know, life is suffering, but meaning is, is, is discovered through suffering. This is something that I've talked about at length through various philosophers, right? But it's something that I'm only now truly understanding how it served as the foundation, the linchpin in many ways, for the Mexica Tenoca for sure. Uh, but Nahuatl philosophy as a whole, okay? And uh, that growth, those insights simply were not available to me six years ago, given that I had lived a pretty pr fucking privileged life up until that point. You know what I mean? I hadn't endured such a tragedy as the loss of a loved one that would be the impetus for that kind of growth necessary to be able to insert that into the writing. You know what I mean? So in that respect, I was also thankful that it's taken me two times. In other words, I'm trying to learn to be kind to myself. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I could see it as, ah, you fucking lost six years of your life, but that's not what it is, dog. I have grown six years of my life. You know what I mean? And I'm seeking now to, I guess, sow those six years of growth into the writings of Hood Philosophy. I'm low riding through Turtle Island, homie. You know what I mean? I'm living life and uh, just reflecting along the way. So this episode then is going to be the first of many writings that I have, you know, working for my books that I'm going, books because it's three main ideas, dog. And I'll talk, I mean, I'll, I'll introduce them here quickly. Hood philosophy, they schools, uh, I guess hood philosophy and they schools are kind of under the same, the same umbrella, right? So hood philosophy, they schools, okay? The idea that, they schools, literally, shout out again to Dead Prez, did not teach us what we know to, uh, they don't teach us what we need to know how to survive, right? But that's okay because it's a it's incumbent upon us to create the knowledge that is better suited for us to do so anyways, hence the hood philosophy, right? Because knowledge is localized. Knowledge is dependent on the people where you are in the world, you know what I mean? And I'll talk about that further later. Uh, so that's the day schools hood philosophy element. 
And then there's the other part of it, dog, which was like just a philosophy book that I'm writing that's going to be basically my lectures. You know what I mean? I, I was going back and realizing like, oh, shit, I was writing down my lectures even before I knew they were my lectures. You know what I mean? And now I just kind of go into class and fire and fresh. So I'm writing that one, too. That'll be last. But I'm writing that one specifically for motherfuckers that are always like, oh, bro, I wish I could take your class. Now I'll be like, dog, just fucking read my book. Buy my book. You know what I mean? And it's just it's the whole, my whole class right there. <laughs> so that'd be the second one. And then the third one is a book that it's basically going to be called, it's something along the lines of why study philosophy when I can just, you know, unalive myself instead to be friendly to the algorithms, right? And I don't say that in a joking way, dog. I mean that very, I don't, I don't, I mean, it sounds, you know, fucking, it sounds morose and sardonic and it is to an extent, but in reality, it's like a very serious question. You know what I mean? that serves as the foundation for what it is that I'm writing about. And even though I'm not the first philosopher to write about this topic, mine's going to be different in the sense that it's informed by hood philosophy. And the basic idea here being is that, yes, they schools going to teach us what they know, what we need to know how to survive. And because of that, many of us are navigating life in a very unhappy way. We've essentially, we're addicts in a lot of ways, obviously, right? So that's a key, that's a key concept in that work, addiction, recovery, relapse. You know what I mean? And the relapse part is important because, you know, as much as we like to think that recovery is a one-off process and that as soon as you've recovered, you're done. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? I have recovered my existence many times only to find myself slipping back into a state of fallenness like these last two months. Right. So it's addiction, recovery, relapse because we do we do relapse. You know what I mean? And then we get stuck and stuck up on these fucking addictive cycles to pacify the pain essentially inherent with being in a state of fallenness like excessive alcohol intake drug use social media consumption mindless fucking rote uh, activities the last two months of my life basically right and uh that causes pain dog that causes pain and the pain itself is not necessarily a bad thing because you know we're taught that pain is a bad thing in the western society and that we should seek to alleviate that pain but generally the way that we're offered to alleviate that pain is in ways that perpetuate that very vicious cycle, right? And uh, that's where the hood philosophy shit comes in and say, well, that's on purpose. They purposely taught us that in their schools so that we stay in this state of fallenness. And uh, the point then is that we study philosophy to not only learn that and recognize it, but to also learn ways to overcome it and recover our existence. You know what I mean? So that's the three works that I'm working on, dog. And this particular podcast then is, it's kind of an amalgamation of all three, right? It's fucking, I, I'm basically just piecing together all three of them to give a general overview, bro, just to give an idea of what it is that hood philosophy truly fucking is, right? It's not just some hip little fucking catch, catchy fucking phrase that I came up with and was like, oh, this will sound cool. It'll make me look like a fucking gangster on fucking social media. You know what I mean? Like, nah, dog, it's not that. It is so much more than that, Right. So on this episode, I wanted to just jump in this bitch really quickly and, you know, ground it and ground it and explain it a little bit more. Uh, I will qualify that this is going to be quite a lengthy episode, right? So maybe you listen to it all in one go. Maybe you come back and listen to it, you know, in bits and pieces. But whatever the case, you know, I've always stated in the past that I wanted to be very considerate of your time and try to keep them under an hour. But that's not going to be the case for this one. Okay, so I appreciate if you make it all the way through. I really do appreciate the fuck out of it, right? And if you don't, dog, I get it. You know what I mean? An hour of your time is precious. And I'm not trying to fucking, you know, 
I appreciate you giving me even five minutes of your time. You know what I'm saying? So if you make it through the end, fucking awesome, bro. And if you don't, I feel you, dog. You know what I mean? Maybe come back and listen to it some other time. And uh, yeah, before I continue, I do want to just give some explicit shout outs then in that regard. And the first one is actually to a former professor of mine. And his name is Carlos Amador. He was a professor of mine when I was at UT Austin. I had him for my Futuramas class, which sounds a lot cooler than it actually was, right? It wasn't bad. It just, I thought it was going to be like about Futurama, the show. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was, you know, because Futurama was deeply philosophical. But uh, it was actually about like just science fiction in general, which was cool. Like, again, it was cool. Don't get me twisted, right? It just it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Uh, anyways, the best part about that course was that I got introduced to Carlos, uh, who in the entire time that I was an undergraduate at UT was the only other brown person that I saw in the philosophy. And like just in that, I just, the only other brown person that I saw in academia there to begin with. You know what I mean? Which even though I just qualified by saying identity politics is fucking not in our ancestral legacy at that time, they meant, it meant a lot to me, right? Because I was a young aspiring philosopher that wanted to make it in academia but I didn't feel myself represented. Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? Bitch, I've, I've talked about this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't new. This fucking hood philosophy shit is not new, bro. You know what I mean? It's deeply rooted in a lot of the experiences that I've had. And that's one of them, right? Uh, and I told him as much. I was like, I even told him, I was like, yo, dog, I, I th I'm really happy I took this class because it makes me feel proud that there's another Mexican-American. I mean, the whole Chicano shit wasn't in my, in my fucking world yet. You know what I mean? So I told him Mexican-American. Because he, I, I didn't know anything about him, right? But I just thought that he was like this, this brown dude who dressed Chicano and was from L.A. So I just assumed this dude was Mexican, right? Mexican-American. And he's like, I got to tell you, like, that is a great compliment. But I'm Cuban B. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, that wasn't devastating. You know what I mean? It's a brown man doing his thing. I was happy about that. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. So beyond that, uh, one of the reasons why I, I want to start it off by giving a shout out to Carlos is because he actually he gave me like a very high compliment one time. And that was something along the lines that he's looking forward to what I'm going to do with philosophy in the future. And that has always weighed heavily on my mind. Like, I cannot let Carlos down. I can't let Carlos down. I have to fucking make this shit happen, dog. I can't get caught up in the fucking minutia of everyday life. I have to manifest this fucking dream that I have. And I have to fucking make Carlos proud, right? For whatever reason. There's a variety of reasons, right? But there's no need to get into them now. And, uh... So yeah, you know, part of uh, the whole process of not working on this shit for the past six years was also in the back of my mind, like, damn, dog, Carlos really had fucking high hopes for me and I've disappointed him. Like, I'm, I dropped out of my PhD program. I fucking, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not working on this hood philosophy shit no more. And that always kind of fucked with me, right? So uh, as I finally went back to start writing it again, I felt a little bit reinvigorated. And I remembered Carlos, man. And I was like, you know what, dog, for sure, got to give Carlos a shout out, dog, because for that very reason, you know what I mean? The second shout out, most importantly, is to the jujitsu homies, dog. Because again, as I was working through this, I was reminded of how instrumental my jujitsu homies were at initially giving me the courage needed to even podcast this shit in the first place. It was actually my homie Sal who was like, dog, you, should, you know, you should start a podcast. And I was like, you know what, man, I've been thinking about that a lot, right? Maybe I should. You know what I mean? So without Sal, for instance, without people like Millhouse who listen to it, there's so many of them, so many. The Holy Rollers, shout out to the Holy Rollers, right? From the Morning Mob. Uh, because, you know, these motherfuckers, they drive from Las Cruces to El Paso, which is about an hour. And sometimes they'll show up and be like, yo, we're listening to your podcast, right? So shout out to those jujitsu homies as well. Like, 
the jujitsu community has played an influential part in the formulation of this podcast is what I'm trying to say. One of the more, uh, <laughs> one of the more, I guess, sad parts, not really sad, but as I was going back and work and, you know, working through it, I was editing and I was just deleting a bunch of shit. Like I said, with identity politics, for instance, that just, it wasn't, it was just, it's not relevant anymore in my life. You know what I mean? And part of it was jujitsu. I'm not going to lie. Cause, uh, I still maintain that jujitsu is philosophy in action. You know what I mean? And I had this whole idea about how I'm going to write about that in the future. But that idea is so far at the bottom compared to the importance, importance wise, compared to everything else that it is that I'm going to talk about. So because of that, I kind of just fucking pushed it off to the side. Right. All right. So with that long winded introduction out of the way, now I can get into the actual fucking podcast material for today. And I guess. I don't guess, I know the best place to do so is with a fucking final definition, dog. Finally, a definition of why hood philosophy, okay? And the first reason is actually pretty simple. <laughs> and that is because I actually wanted to call it, bar- I wanted to call it barrio philosophy so that it could be more culturally relevant. You know what I mean? In fact, I kind of had a hang up in my head about calling it hood philosophy because I didn't want to have to get into this whole fucking black culture debate you know what i mean but i just you know as as close to the as close to my heart as the word barrio is and as much as i wanted to avoid the whole like notion that the hood is uh you know an idea that's relegated to black culture only uh i ultimately chose to stick with hood philosophy to go rather with hood philosophy because i just felt that it had it had more of a ring to it (laughs) essentially right than barrio philosophy not a lot of people know what a barrio is which in many respects would have been a great learning opportunity, a teaching moment. You know what I mean? But I also understood that I was a fucking nobody coming out of nowhere. And I didn't want to just start off on the wrong foot. I wanted something that was going to catch people's attention. You know what I mean? So I went with hood philosophy. And then more importantly, more importantly, like an actual real definition as to why I did so is because at this at the time that I was developing this, man, I was deeply, deeply vested in the work of this scholar named Chris Chris Emden, right? Christopher Emden. And uh, he's the one that comes up with like this hip-hop pedagogy, all kinds of shit, right? Which obviously is like huge to me as an educator. And uh, he uses the word the hood in his, in his work, right? That's what he refers to it as. He's speaking about students in the hood, okay? And uh, because of that, I felt I was like, you know what, dog? It, it, this is just, this is, the, this is the way to go, right? I'm going to call it hood philosophy. And the definition for Chris Emden then of the hood is, he tells us, the hood is often identified as a place where dysfunction is prevalent and people need to be saved from themselves and their circumstances. He tells us that the hood may be urban, rural, densely or sparsely populated, but it has a number of shared characteristics that make it easy to recognize. The community is often socioeconomically disadvantaged, achievement gaps are prevalent, and a very particular brand of pedagogy is normalized. In these communities, and particularly in urban schools, African-American and Latino youth are most hard hit by poverty and its after effects. So basically my whole lived experience, dog. And I was like, you know, this is it. This is hood philosophy, dog. I'm talking about this is philosophy for the hood, by the hood, right? Or knowledge is localized, like I said earlier. You know what I mean? So that's the only reason why, that's the reason why I should say, I don't want to say the only reason, I'm not going to dismiss it. But that's the reason why I went with hood philosophy, Doug. Okay? And um, 
A key feature in this definition that I think that it's important to address is the element specifically for this episode is the part that talks about how the hood is represented by a very particular brand of pedagogy. Pedagogy is just way of teaching, teaching method, right? And what he's telling us is that in the hood, we have a very particular kind of teaching uh, pedagogy, right? And um, as far as this is concerned, like this is this example is important with like, okay, <sighs> the brand of pedagogy that we're receiving is one that is designed to strictly maintain the white world, like the white man's world. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it 100 with you, Doug, right? European people created capitalism. European people imported capitalism here to Turtle Island. European people benefit most from capitalism. It's a fucking Ponzi scheme, okay? And capitalism is obviously like a Ponzi, any Ponzi scheme built off a fucking pyramid. And we are at the very bottom of that pyramid. So when we say we're upholding the white man's world, that's what we mean. Like we're literally hoisting it on our backs and holding it up for them. And they schools are designed for nothing more than to fucking inculcate us in a way necessary to do so. They educate us in a way, or more appropriately, miseducate us in a way that will enable they, them, to be able to up, uh, uh, to uh, maintain their position of power, to maintain their control, their position at the top of the pyramid, right? And um, for me personally, I started first by philosophy because, you know, it's philosophy that I'm most, most familiar with. Now, to be clear, it's not just about philosophy, though, dog. It's about the entire education system, right? Just because I, I focus on philosophy just because it's my uh, uh, area of expertise. But it's not, it's the whole education system, dog. In fact, since philosophy is the, the queen of all sciences, that implies that by addressing the philosophy, we're addressing the field as a whole, right? So when it comes to this hood philosophy shit, then I started with first questioning like, okay, what is the history of philosophy as taught in the Western world? And basically it's Socrates and Plato, okay? And if you get really deeply into it, I've talked about this before, right? But the idea is that according to white people, only Europeans are capable of philosophizing. And thus, anything else is just storytelling, elaborate storytelling, and that anything before that was nothing, okay? That philosophy is a uniquely Western invention that is only capable of being practiced by Europeans for the longest time, they said. But now they tell us only in its European sense, okay? So when you ask most people, you know, what they know about philosophy, they're going to just say Socrates and Plato because that's all we've ever been introduced to. And because of that, they falsely think that this is all that there is to philosophy, right? And this is not good, dog. Not And again, not just because of the fucking identity politics bullshit. Like, yeah, that's got a little bit to do with it, okay? But it's also, it's most importantly, it's not good because this Western philosophical tradition, dog, it's not fucking satisfactory to deal with the issues that we are currently facing in the Western world. In fact, like I mentioned in my fucking introduction to the whole Why Study Philosophy shit book that I'm going to write, not only is it not built to address these issues, it's built to fucking perpetuate these issues, okay? So when you're telling us that, and again, for me now, as someone that's, you know, I consider myself an expert. I don't give a fuck what anybody else says. I don't need a PhD to, you know, legitimize my fucking expertise. As someone who you know, is more of an expert in the field of philosophy. I know, for instance, that there are alternatives out there to just the Western Greek tradition. But when I was starting out, I didn't know this. And because of that, I falsely assumed 
that this was all there was to philosophy. Now, this is important because as I've talked about before, I personally came to philosophy in search of answers that I could not find through, you know, that I would, I was searching for answers to life, bro. What is the meaning of life? What should I do with my life? Et cetera, and so on and so forth. And none of the answers that I was given in, you know, day schools were satisfactory to me. Capitalism, Christianity did not satisfy my fucking curiosity. They weren't enough, not even to satisfy my curiosity. They weren't enough, quite frankly, as I talked about in the Life is Killing Me episode of the podcast, to even make me want to keep fucking living in the first place, bro. Like, just real shit. You know what I mean? This Western reductive world, as I've talked about before, is extremely nihilistic. And if you're good enough at game theory, you'll inevitably get to one of the inevitable escapes from that nihilism, which, of course, is unaliving yourself, yeeting yourself from existence. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is also not good because... For me personally, as I engaged and immersed myself in this fucking philosophical reflection, as I, you know, stared into the abyss, if you will, as I grappled with the absurdity of existence, I came to the realization that I never wanted to fucking yeet myself, dog. My fear wasn't that life was meaningless. My fear was that life had nothing but meaning and that I wasn't fucking achieving it in the short amount of time that I had, right? And... How fucking this Western shit European philosophy comes into play is they don't address that. That's not even an issue they're concerned with, dog. These motherfuckers, as I talked about again in that episode, Life is Killing Me, they're concerned with logical proofs. They're concerned with fucking mathematics and science and shit. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, that's important. But so is this, dog. You know what I mean? Like, this is also important. And if you're telling me that they don't talk about this, this, the shit that I'm interested in, like the meaning of life and all that kind of shit, or a different meaning of life, to use the more appropriate philosophical language, a different start point than the Western tradition of philosophy. If you're telling me that this is the only start point that they have, then that means that they're not going to address this, right? And if they're not going to address this, people like myself are going to be filtered through these philosophy classes. People who came into these philosophy classes in the first place looking for answers to the alternatives that we are offered you know, through our inculcation process in our early formative years, right? Falsely believing that we'll find them in philosophy only to fucking discover, be severely disappointed when we discover that they don't even care to talk about this shit. You know what I'm saying? And if we don't know that alternatives exist, for a lot of people, dog, philosophy is like a last resort. You know what I mean? And it's it's not going to end well, right? So... This is fucking upsetting because why? Why do we still teach Plato and Socrates as the de facto starting points of philosophy? And realistically, there's no reason why other than to uphold the myth of white supremacy. I've talked about this before. There's no need to get into further detail, but that's what it is. White people chose Plato and Socrates because they're white, allegedly, right? Um, And they say that these were the creators of philosophy, which is, according to them, uh, the the pinnacle of human thought. And since white people, according to them, were the only ones capable of extreme critical thought, this is something unique to white people, right? So that's how it found that's how it serves as a foundation for white supremacy, right? Uh the myth of white supremacy. But it's like, is it really worth upholding this fucking bullshit ass lie at the expense of all the suffering in the world? There's other philosophies out in the world that are so much better suited to tend, for instance, 
to the hearts and the faces of people who are fucking one who are rolling through his earth. Right. I'm, I'm being very specific with my language here who are wandering, rolling lost through his fucking earth without a heart and a face. Right. And ideally, ideally, philosophy can be there to help us. Right. To make wise the countenance of our hearts and faces. But it's not for no other reason, again, than to uphold this bullshit myth of white supremacy. And to me personally, that's fucking unsatisfactory, dog. Right. It's unsatisfactory that realistically, man, like. okay, hood philosophy, as I already mentioned, it's predicated on the Nawa approach to philosophy. Right. And. As I progress through this lecture series, because I've already made a bunch of fucking gritos, right, uh, predicated on this. So I'll talk about it inevitably, right? But when I do the one on the Nahuatl philosophers at Lamatini, right, Lamatini, right, uh, you will see that they were fucking charged with an immense responsibility, bro. The Tlatanini, they had an immense, the group of philosophers, Lamatini is one individual philosopher, Tlatanini. Right, sorry, Tlatanimi, right, M-E is multiple, right? M-I is just one. Uh, they were charged with a fucking immense responsibility, bro. And uh, that responsibility, simply put, was educating the hearts and faces, specifically of young men, bro. And uh, this is important because, well, it's fucking Men's Mental Health Month, Doug, okay? And, uh, you know... Obviously, men's mental health in the United States of America, this is something like a foundational point of hood philosophy, is not something that we take seriously. Just keep it simple, right? Because I have a whole podcast dedicated to this, right? Uh, And that's obviously not a good thing, though, because we see the effects of what happens when men specifically are left to their own devices when it comes time to deal with the... Trauma, I guess you could say. I don't want to dismiss the role of trauma. That's why. But, you know, when everybody's traumatized, no one's traumatized type shit. But existence is traumatic, bro. Let's just, let's just be honest with it. Okay. And we, we've we seen already what happens in the Western world when men are left to their own devices to deal with this fucking, with this trauma. A lot of that is founded on the fucking Western philosophy, dog, because they tell us that men are rational. And part of being a rational person implies that you are not emotional, that emotions are a woman's trait, right? And that thus to engage in your emotions would be to become feminine. And that's, according to the Western world, not a good thing. You must remain rational about all things, including your emotions, which is fucking stupid, bro. It's fucking stupid. And because of that, we have so much senseless violence that's created by men. And a lot of that has to do because we don't speak to the hearts and the faces of men anymore. This was, again, a foundational principle in Nahuatl philosophy, teaching men how to be men, essentially, right? And it's not just about like this manly machismo type shit. It's about what it truly implies to be a man, to be a fucking masculine figure. You know what I mean? And again, I'll talk about that in further detail when I get to that point of the series. But for now, the basic idea is that this this exists. This philosophy is there, right? This philosophy is perfected. It was perfected for thousands of years before... Europeans came to Turtle Island. And the only reason we're not teaching it now in the Western world is because white people still to this day are operating under this assumption that anything that is not European philosophy is inferior. It's not even philosophy, right? And what I'm saying is that, bro, this is not only, again, fuck the identity politics shit, right? Yeah, identity politics bullshit, okay? But more importantly, 
this is having a fucking disastrous effect on society, okay? Again, just look at here in El Paso with the mass shooting. That is someone who came to this city missing a heart and a face with a weak heart and face. He gave his fart, his fart, <laughs> that's funny. He gave his heart and face away to an institution that could give a fuck less about him, right? There's a great poem in Nahuatl philosophy. I'll talk about it. I'll introduce it when I, uh, in full detail when I do the episode on Nahuatl philosophy. But the basic gist is that uh, if we give our hearts away to any and any institution or to any and anything, because they didn't talk about institutions, but the poem states that if we give our heart away to any and anything, they will always, our heart will always be stolen from us, right? And if our, you know, the heart is our, 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 our means of locomotion through this world, so wherever our heart goes, we go too. So if our heart is stolen from us, we are lost essentially, okay? And uh, this doesn't have to be the case, Right? Now, to be fair, to be fair, they, the Western world, has introduced something of an alternative. They tell us, well, feminism will come along and save you, which is like, okay, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't mind. I don't I had no problem with feminism, bro. Like, I think it's great that women philosophers are represented. I think it's great that women are coming up with their own philosophies and they're sharing it with the world, right? I think it's fucking fantastic that women are finally becoming empowered in the Western world because... Welcome to the future where the fucking indigenous peoples of Turtle Island have been for thousands of years before Europeans got here. We, we already knew how important women were, right, for thousands of years before Europeans got here. You know what I'm saying? Europeans now barely slowly starting to figure out through feminism. All of that is fucking fantastic. Don't get me wrong, okay? But the answer from a feminist perspective to the solution to what I just said about the men's mental health is to become more, quote unquote, feminized. And that's where I have a problem with because I don't want to be feminized. I, I don't. I am not a feminine person. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am a masculine person. I have masculine traits and I like masculine shit. You know what I mean? So a feminine philosophy is not going to save me. Like, again, don't get me wrong. I don't have any problem with it, but it's just not for me. I'm not going to be a fucking. It, it's just it's not it's not in me. You know what I mean? So the alternative then is either become a feminine, uh, a feminized man, which, you know, you see it in the fucking world that we're living in now. Right. And they'll tell you the same thing. They'll tell the people who have, you know, transition, for instance, they'll say it's so much better now being a woman. I don't have so much testosterone. I don't have so much fucking uh, anger. I don't have so much fucking just hostility towards the world. I don't feel the impulse to destroy as much. Right. OK, good for you. Right. I don't want that. I don't want to have to become a trans person in order to deal with the issues inherent with being a man. There has to be an alternative. Right. And the alternative, of course, is a philosophy that actually teaches men how to be men or the Nahuatl philosophy in a nutshell, right? When I say that knowledge is localized, what I mean then is that I've survived that shit. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to reflect in such a way to help others do the same. It's like a fucking exit map, dog. How to get the fuck out the hood. You know what I mean? It starts with the ideas. You got to formulate the ideas and the ideas of some academic buckhead who grew up in the suburbs and is now ensconced away in the ivory towers has zero effect on this life. They don't know what this life is like. They can never know. It's impossible for them. It's a phenomenological impossibility. Only we can tell this story. You know what I mean? But then they'll tell us, oh, it's not real philosophy. Hood philosophy, that's fucking nonsense. What is this shit? It's not Plato. It's not Socrates. To which we have one or two choices. We can either say, yes, sir, I'm sorry. I fucking apologize for daring to deviate from the norm. Or you can tell them, you can suck my whole dick and balls, dog. I don't give a fuck what you think. This is philosophy. I don't need your fucking PhD to fucking justify it otherwise, which is obviously the route that I chose to take, right? <laughs> now, to that end, motherfuckers will be like, hey, dog, chill. At the very least, yeah, you know, 
there's a set norm for what philosophy is, right? But at the very least, they do introduce, quote unquote, other voices. They introduce outside voices. Isn't that enough? To which it's like, nah, bro. Is this the only truth on earth? And the answer is no. And it's how this relates in this particular instance is simple. You're starting with the Western world as a de facto starting point, dog. Which means that inevitably you're going to get to their de facto end point. What is the point of philosophy? To intellectualize an external world and uh, uh, establish a road to navigate from the beginning question to the end goal, which is, you know, universal truth, if you will. That's that's their starting end point. And just by including our voices, if you will, uh, into the, the, the textbook, into the curriculum, doesn't deviate that manner. It doesn't change that in any way. It just... It just, it just changes the, the hue, if you will, to a, sh- a lighter shade of brown, right? A darker shade of brown, if you will. And you could deviate to how dark you want that scale to be in accordance to the ethnicity of the people included in the curriculum, right? But if the people included in the curriculum, what the fuck good is a Chicano being in philosophy if they're going to just be speaking about ancient Greek shit? Like, that's just a fucking, uh, that's just a, a, a brown interpretation of uh, of white supremacy. Like, I don't fucking give a fuck about that dude or that chick. Like, I don't give a fuck what they have to say. They're still talking about ancient European bullshit that has no effect on my life at all whatsoever, right? What we want is fucking a complete revamping of the educational system that throws away the European philosophy and calls it what it is. They like to call it like oh, Chicano studies or black studies. Well, philosophy is just European studies, dog. That's what it is. Like, we're fucking studying European ideas, okay? That's what the fuck I'm saying. Like, I don't give a fuck. Throw, overthrow, uh, revamp the whole shit. When I say right now, for instance, I'm going to say hood philosophy is disruption. I'm going to give a further definition of hood philosophy. And one of the definitions is hood philosophy, again, is disruption. This is what I mean. This is what the disruption is, dog. Fuck Plato. Fuck Socrates. Fuck the European Greek tradition as a whole and everything that that stems from it. Overthrow all of that shit and replace it with a philosophy, hood philosophy, for instance, that is fucking better representative of the world that we live in. Why not? Why why should we here on the quote unquote borderland of El Paso, Texas, not have a philosophy that adequately represents the location in which we are on the earth? It's a very fucking important location. We live on a militarized, colonized border. This is a very, very important place on the earth. How is ancient Greek, literally, that is separated in time and space from this location, how is that any more important than what we're going through right here, right now? It's not. And the only reason we argue otherwise, again, is to uphold the myth of European supremacy, which is like, fuck that, dog. Overthrow and disrupt that whole system. Replace it with an actual philosophy that represents us here in the hood, right? To which they'll say, oh, you can't do that because... Uh, it's rooted in academia. You got curriculums. You got all kinds of shit. It's historical precedent. A blo- excuses. Excuses, right? They'll tell us, can't you be happy that you're even being included into the conversation? To which, again, it's like, for all the reasons, no, that I just gave you. Beyond that, the only real voices that are included in academia, dog, that deviate, if you will, from the norm are the most defanged, the safest fucking voices possible that do not threaten this institutional norm in any real tangible way the kind that are easily subsumed into the system that are fucking then pawned off to people as being like oh look you want fucking revolution here's rage against the machine look at how mad they are they'll play rage against the machine in between fucking used car commercials you know what i mean that's what they want they want safe dangerous type shit shit that is just enough fucking anger to rile people up but in no real tangible way that's ever going to make any kind of change you know what i mean 
There's a reason, dog, why they fucking why they will teach us about, you know, let's keep with the theme of fucking Juneteenth. There's a reason why they'll teach about Martin Luther King, but they won't teach about Malcolm X, right? Martin Luther King at the end was a bad motherfucker. They didn't have a problem with Martin Luther King until he started talking about class consciousness. And then it was fucking time. You know what I mean? That's, that's when they were like, all right, all right, dog, that's enough of that, right? Malcolm X was on that shit from the very beginning. Okay, so there's a reason why they only teach that. There's a reason why on the radio, for instance, they'll fucking play Rage Against the Machine, but they will never, ever play Leftover Crack, for example. There's a reason why, you know, they don't teach us about fucking, they're going to teach now, finally in Texas, they're going to teach, um, quote unquote, Mexican-American studies, but they're not going to teach about Pancho Villa. They're not going to teach about fucking Emiliano Zapata. They're not going to teach about the EZLN. They're just not going to, right? Because it's too fucking dangerous. That is real disruption there. And for all those same reasons, they would never teach something like what I'm telling you right now in they schools because it's too fucking disruptive. They, it, it completely challenges everything that it is that institutional academia is built upon. Namely, maintaining the myth of white supremacy. Namely, creating more people to uphold the European world. Simple. And... As simple as it is, this comes at a giant fucking expense, dog, namely the continued fucking exploitation of indigenous and black peoples in the hood, dog. It's, it's that simple, right? So what I'm saying is that it's either accept that or tell them to fuck off, dog. I don't need your schools, okay? Your schools have no interest, for instance, in providing me an education that's focused on the advancement of my emotional and intellectual intelligence, right? In hopes that doing so is going to allow students from the hood to enter society as informed members, right, who are capable of avoiding the various pitfalls that ultimately limit the quality of our existence, okay? They schools have no interest in doing that, dog, okay? Instead, what they're interested in is perpetuating, right, this fucking system that, again, it sets us up to fall victim to those very same fucking uh, disruptive behaviors that, you know, just devastate the hood dog and on top of that perpetuating this myth of white supremacy i pledge allegiance to the flag get the fuck out of here all that bullshit right they don't teach us dog because they don't want to teach us okay all they've ever wanted is to fucking produce they they just want to produce conformity right through deceit no less which is funny because in philosophy like oh we got to overcome deceitful conditions in order to get to the absolute truth start with your curriculum dog because it's fucking full of deceit right but that's what they do, right? They just they they just lied in order to maintain this fucking world that they've created and told us like there this is the only world. Stupid bitch ass Jordan Peterson where he's like, I have a game here. If you gotta make a move, make a move. You don't have a choice because you have to make a bitch. That's a world, that's a game that you created. You know what my move is? Flip the fucking board over and say, fuck that. We're starting a new game. And this game is gonna center on our fucking on what we value, what it is that we fucking want in this world, not what it is that you personally inherited. You know what I mean? So again, for the hood philosophers, right, for hood philosophy, this is the type of shit that's of greatest concern, man, right? Whereas institutional philosophy is more concerned with shit like this fucking bullshit, dog, like, oh, is my lover in another world, an ideal world in an alternate universe? Are they being unfaithful to me uh, in the infinitely many possible worlds? Because in an infinitely many possible world implies infinitely many possibilities, which means that your lover here in an alternate universe that you have zero access to and will never be able to get to is having an affair with someone else. Does that mean they're being unfaithful to you here? Like, dude, this is real shit that they're... This is a real philosophy paper published in a real philosophy journal, okay? And it's like, bitch, what the fuck do I care about that? 
I'm trying to cons- I'm trying to fucking learn how to overcome the obstacles in the hood, dog. That's what the fuck I'm concerned with. Like, yeah, the fucking the law of excluded middle is dope, dog. But what what impact does the law of excluded middle have on my life, right? As dope as it is, when there's actual fucking dope dealers on the fucking corner who are fucking selling drugs in my community. When there's junkies in the alley who are fucking banging that dope into their bodies fucking in my in my community, right? What of what use is that uh, uh, identity of indiscernibles to that or the fucking law of excluded middle, okay? And of what use is this transcendental or absolute idealism in my life when there's fucking very real material conditions that I'm fucking dealing with still from the last 500 years of European colonization and capitalism? Like, what? This doesn't make any sense to me, dog. And and they can mask it and say, this is the pinnacle of, you know, of human thought. But in reality, like that knowledge is irrelevant and it does nothing more than glorify the very structures that are being fucking used to continue this fucking exploitation of people in the hood. Hence the importance of hood philosophy, dog. I don't need to know about Kant or Hegel. I don't give a fuck about Kant or Hegel, okay? What I need to know, again, is knowledge related to where I am localized, okay? Knowledge that's related to solving our own problems, like how to get drugs out of the hood for good. How to stop police from fucking brutalizing and murdering us. How to get our fucking bills paid properly. How to better interact with my family so I'm not constantly bickering with my loved ones, okay? And this is this is the real identity politics shit, dog. I don't give a fuck about Taco Bell. This right here is the real identity politics shit, right? You can't help but cringe, bro, just thinking of how many promising scholars in the hood we've lost, bro, because of the lack of this education. How many we stand to lose, no less, okay? For no other reason than they have been alienated and disenfranchised by they schools, dog, right? I'm haunted, bro. I, I, I'm haunted just by the reality of knowing that the streets, bro, right here in my hood, still to this day, they're filled with individuals, bro, who, you know, having survived their fucking brainwash, their 12-step brainwash camps at day schools, their state-sanctioned learning, their state-sanctioned uh, educational learning facilities, Right? They escaped, dog, or they were released with this with this miseducation that's designed with nothing more in mind than to ensure continued obedience to fucking this white man's world, dog, right? These fucking people, bro, in the hood who have become adults now and in the absence of any true education of the heart and the face are running around the world masking sorrow and pain and anger with fucking... European values, like, oh, yes, I'm fucking miserable inside, but at least I have a nice house type shit. You know what I mean? And who have falsely been led to believe that there's no alternative to this world that we're living in, who is specifically in the instance of men who have been falsely led to believe that seeking help for these kinds of issues is a quote unquote sign of weakness or some bitch shit, essentially. Right. And thus, rather than valuing the ability to heal from such trauma. okay, so that we can potentially live our best lives, we continue to operate under these fucking colonized values that have been instilled in us in day schools, again, right? You know, finding false solace. It's not real, dog. It's false solace in the comforts that have been provided to us by way of capitalism, okay? Thinking that this fucking temporary, mistaking, I should say, the temporary reprieve that shit like retail therapy gets us, okay? From the pain of we experience on a daily basis, to be actual fucking healing. 
It's not, dog. The reprieve that capitalism and the Western world offers, alcohol, shopping, drugs, casual sex, material goods, and so on, that's not going to fucking heal the real issues, dog. It's only going to exacerbate these issues and keep us trapped in this fucking vicious cycle, okay? And if they education is not teaching us how to escape this cycle, then they education is purposely perpetuating this cycle. It's keeping me, more importantly, from living a good life, right? And that's why I'm like, fuck day schools, fuck institutional philosophy, fuck Plato, fuck Socrates, fuck the myth of European superiority, right? Fuck the institutional philosopher who's concerned with their unfaithful lover. They have no idea what this fucking shit is about and why it's so important. These motherfuckers, dog, they have they have no idea what it's like to grow up in the hood, okay? They don't know what it's like to fucking be raised by a single mom who's fucking pr- providing sustenance for you off of food stamps, okay? They don't know what it's like to force yourself to do homework, right? In a, in a house with no electricity, dog. For a fucking school and the teachers that you know don't give a fuck less about you or your education, no less, right? But still doing it anyways, thinking that somehow, some way, right? Doing so, you have this hope that it's going to be worth it in the future because you have hope that their that their education system truly is the way to escape the hood, right? You can fucking buy your way out of the hood, dog. But if you haven't healed here, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? Here being in the in in the, in the mind, or I should also say the heart. For those of you who are listening only, okay? They don't know, dog. And this is, this is, you know, they don't know what it's like, dog, to have your grandfather, for instance, hide you and your siblings in a closet during a fucking drive-by, bro, okay? And then asking you at six years old to call the police because he doesn't speak Spanish and can't ask for help. These fuckheads don't know anything about that, dog. They, they can't know. It's impossible. And, you know, they, <laughs> they never grew up in the hood, dog. It's impossible for them to do so. And more importantly, you know, they don't know what it's like to grow up your to go your entire adult life not knowing that that shit is not normal. That most people don't deal with that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And again, they simply don't fucking care, dog. All they care is about upholding this fucking precious narrative that they've created. They care about, you know, us learning the quote-unquote proper way to live in their world by going to their schools, right? Learning their epistemology, okay? at the complete expense of any cultural heritage they may have had, right? Us, that any cultural heritage that we may have had, I should say, right? That uh, has helped us navigate in our own world, right? And when we aren't willing to fucking compromise that cultural legacy and knowledge that we've learned, right, from our experiences, they just say, oh, these people are fucking stupid. They're incapable of learning philosophy. You see, that's why we tell you that fucking brown people can't philosophize, that it's something only reserved for white people. But it's like, nah, dog, fuck you. I have knowledge that you can never gain, right? And that's not a deficit on my behalf. It's an asset of the greatest source that needs to be fucking celebrated accordingly. And that maybe if they were celebrated, they would understand that, you know, all these pitfalls in the hood, yeah, we do our jo- our, our part in perpetuating them, but a large, a, a large part of that is fucking, it's, it's not only influenced, it's fucking catalyzed by the fucking European world, dog. So, for instance, they'll say like teenage pregnancies. They'll point to teen. They'll be like, "Oh, look at the problems of the plague the hood, plague the hood." You have teenage pregnancies, high dropout rates, gang violence, drug and alcohol abuse, and so on and so forth. And because of that, that's why you motherfuckers in the hood can't escape your conditions. You should focus on fixing all that first, like or clean your room, like bitch ass Jordan Peterson says, and then you'll be able to find your way out. And it's like, nah, dog, hold up. It's so much more complicated than that. Okay, maybe you should pause to consider 
but they don't because obviously they don't care, right? Or because they're incapable, or more importantly. But maybe at least try to pause to consider that it may very well be that the reason why we drop out of your schools, it's not because we're fucking unintelligent, but it's because those fucking schools are demeaning and they and we don't relate to them. Okay, they're fucking nonsense. You're trying to teach me that I'm fucking less of a human being than a, than, than a white person. Like, why would I want to go learn that? Okay. They don't fucking consider that the reason why teenage pregnancy is so common is because they schools, they culture, their religion, okay, are still teaching abstinence, which has been categorically proven to be the absolute worst fucking viable method of birth control, okay? But they still teach it nonetheless. They don't pause to consider that maybe one of the reasons or the main reason why these fucking kids are running around wild in the streets is not because we as brown people, for instance, are more prone to violence and to join gangs, but because maybe it's something as simple as our parents just aren't home. Maybe they're too busy working in European capitalist systems just for us to survive, right? And because of that, they're gone all fucking day, leaving us to our own devices. Or maybe our parents have been addicted to drugs that European people brought into this country, into our communities by their government, the European government, right? Or maybe because our parents are just simply in the European prisons that they fucking have created and are funding with our very tax dollars, right? They don't pause to consider that type of shit, dog. And again, they don't even bother to consider that perhaps a true way to solve this again is with a more direct approach that deals with the hearts and faces of children in the hood, right? And that that alone may be far more conducive to eliminating the struggles, right, in the hood than teaching fucking another European philosophy class. It's that simple. So basically then, what I'm asking with hood philosophy is to completely decenter the European tradition. Call it what it is, first and foremost. It's not philosophy. It's European studies. That's the first thing, okay? The next thing is to teach a more culturally relevant pedagogy that could fucking have an actual tangible effect on the world that we're living in. I'll delve deeper into it in a later episode, right? But for now... For my purpose, it could simply be understood as a philosophy, any philosophy, but in my case, hood philosophy, or specifically Nahuatl philosophy, right? Understand it, dog, not just as this detached study, but more importantly, as a tool that is capable of strengthening the will of humans, okay? A tool that is capable of making wise the countenance of our hearts and faces, okay? Those who utilize this quote-unquote new approach, Right? So when, again, to just finish the episode with a final conclusion of hood philosophy, it is nothing more, dog, than a new approach to philosophy. It's a new first philosophy, if you will, right? A hood philosophy, <laughs> simply plain, right? It's a philosophy that's made for the hood, by the hood, with, exp with the express purpose of addressing issues in the hood by educating students in such a way that will more adequately arm them with the knowledge necessary to live their best life, right? It's fucking, this hood philosophy shit, dog, it really is like a fuck you to this armchair, ivory tower, Western analytical philosophy bullshit, dog, okay? It's, it's a culturally sustaining pedagogy, right? It's, 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 it's delving on the strengths of our culture, of our ancestral history, okay? I like to call it, even then, you know, to <laughs> piggyback off the ancestral legacy shit, it's an incantation to conjure up and reanimate the defleshed ones. Doesn't make any sense right now, right? But when I do the philosophy, when I do the episode on Nawa philosophy, the defleshed ones and the incantation to conjure them up, it'll make a little bit more sense, right? 
But in that respect, dog, in that practice, it's it hood philosophy is like it's a it's a resistance. It's a it's a continued resistance against this European fucking uh, hegemony that they're trying to force their world upon us. And for the past five hundred years, we've been saying fuck you. And this hood philosophy shit is a continued fuck you to that very that in that very uh, vein, right? But like I said, also it's it's also disruption. I'm looking to disrupt the system, the, this academic system. Like I don't give a fuck about Plato. Replacing it with shit that's more relevant to me and my and my, and my peoples, right? And of course, given the role that academia plays in the development of consciousness, okay, in that respect, is hood philosophy shit. It's kind of a dynamic force, bro. It's a dynamic force that is challenging the epistemology and the ontology of colonial discourse, bro. And it's celebrating in many ways, okay? In an authentic and deliberate way, I should say, a more multicultural approach to education that is focused on celebrating our assets, dog. Not on fucking highlighting our deficits. On celebrating our assets, okay? In an authentic and deliberate way so that we can develop these community-relevant pedagogies, bro. Those that are, you know, centered on our struggles that foster, develop, and strengthen our I fucking our identities, bro. So that we can, in fact, create this new, better, revitalized fucking world that all of us desperately pine for, but we're told simply cannot exist because the fucking European Border Patrol has set up their world and they're fucking they're patrolling it fucking ruthlessly, dog. Right? On philosophy, give a fuck about that. Trying to change that bitch-ass world, okay? Trying to change it, bro. And part of that change implies pointing a fucking mirror at the people within the hood, myself. I had to look at myself honestly and realize the ways in which I'm looking at a mirror right now, right? The Tescatlipoca. I have to fucking be honest with myself about the ways that my own personal shortcomings are perpetuating the struggles in the hood, right? And that implies pointing out the struggles of the people in the hood too. And motherfuckers be like, why you gotta be targeting me before, bro? And it's like, I'm not targeting you, homie. It's a loving critique. I'm telling you this out of love, but you need to be critiqued because there's a lot of patterns that we engage in in the hood that are leading to our own circumstances. And it's easy to blame the quote-unquote evil white man. But before we get there, let's examine the roles that we're playing in this too, right? But it's also about forgiveness, homie. Hood philosophy is also about forgiveness because, you know, anger ultimately is a gift, but it ultimately only only harms us, right? Right? So part of it implies moving away from the, the woes of the past in hopes of creating a better future of, you know, built on our own narrative. This is asking a lot, bro, because when I say letting go of the past, I mean letting go of the past, not just your own personal past, but our cultural past is a lot, not cultural, but the history of our peoples in the past 500 years. Yes, very anger, uh, angry and very, it's fucked up what European people did, but we have to forgive, not European people ourselves in order to move forward right and i guess it's also realizing that institutional academia it's never going to provide us let alone allow us with the proper space necessary to do any of this it's not just not going to because as we've already examined academia is just the intellectual arm of the colonial project bro they don't want truly truly woke quote-unquote people not that bullshit fucking colored hair fucking they them bullshit wokeness that's been hijacked by the fucking the white community that's that's not woke like we talked about before right truly woke people who realize that there is a concerted effort by the state to fucking uh delegitimize and continue to exploit the brown and black communities okay they don't want truly woke people from the hood dog 
They only want, quote unquote, new slaves who will continue to live through the struggles inherent in the hood so that our lives and the issues that we face can continue being monetized by the descendants of the very people who created much of the conditions that led to the fucking hood in the first place, dog. It's that simple, right? They schools, they school to prison pipeline, they for-profit prison industrial complex, they value systems. That's what they want. They work. That's what they want, okay? That's all they care about. And hood philosophy then ultimately is here to help show that all this bullshit, dog, everything I just said right now, the fucking prison complex, the school to prison pipeline, all that kind of shit, it's two muscles of the same hustle, bro, okay? And as long as we allow them to continue to miseducate us, we're going to keep getting played, dog. It's that simple. And me personally, I'm not trying to be a fiddle, homie. It's, it's that simple. I don't want to get played. So in that respect, hood philosophy then ultimately, or again, pent ultimately, I should say. The last one was pent ultimately. This one will be ultimately. It's a conscientious recognition that they shit is not going to help us. And that's fine. It's incumbent upon us to make our own shit that they will, that, that will, right? That will help us to realize that they have stolen our hearts and they have erased our faces for far too long, okay? And that through hood philosophy, we're trying to reclaim both so that we can liberate ourselves from they control systems, okay? Again, as I mentioned before, I alluded to it before, being a philosophy pressured, a philosophy professor, dog, it used to be such an important task, such an important task, especially in Nahuatl philosophy, okay? But it's been reduced to inconsequentiality, right? And I'm telling you now, dog, that's not what I'm content with. I'm not content with that, right? So in a sense, it's a conscientious reverse with philosophy, to re- a conscientious attempt, rather, to reverse that, okay? To understand that we are privileged as philosophy instructors, as professors, of philo- as philosophers in general, okay? And that to waste that opportunity has very serious, potentially detrimental effects to the overall world and our place in it that we're living in, right? And to not address that would be a true fucking crime, you know, in my eyes, to future generations, dog. And yeah, I guess that's about as good a point as any to wrap this bitch up for today. I know it was long-winded. I managed to keep it around an hour, though, surprisingly. I actually cut out a lot of it, right? A lot that I realized, this is good for the book. Like I said, this is a this is a, a, a section from a book, right? That I just turned into a podcast. And the part that I cut off, I said, you know what? That part's good just for the book alone, right? So when the time comes, if you're interested in, you know, catching up on the parts that I cut out, you'll be able to read the book and fill, and fill in the blanks with what it is that it was that got left out for today. For now, um, yeah, dog, I hope, you know, you enjoyed the podcast and that you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Peace.